wager they'll be riding a long, long time for you. Yes, Lord, they'll look a long time till judgment day is due. I'm Harriet Tubman, people. I'm Harriet the slave. I'm Harriet free woman. And I'm free within my grave. Come along, children, Harriet. Come along, children, come along. Uncle Sam is rich enough to give you all a farm. I killed the overseer. I fooled old monster's eyes. I found my way to Canada with hundreds more besides. Come along to Harper's Ferry. Come along to brave John Brown. Come along with Harriet, children. Come along ten million strong. I met the mighty John Brown. I knew Fred Douglas too. Enlisted abolitionist beneath the Union blue. I heard the mighty trumpet that sent the line to war. I mourned for Mr. Lincoln and saw his funeral car. Come along with Harriet, children. Come along to Canada. Come down to the river, children. Follow the northern star. I'm Harriet Tubman, people. I'm Harriet the slave. I'm Harriet free woman. And I'm free beyond my grave. Come along to freedom, children. Come along ten million strong. Come along with Harriet, children. Come along ten million strong.
On the morning of February 23, 1961, in the residential Miramar district of Havana, Che Guevara left his home on 17th Street and walked with his bodyguards down the pretty, tree-lined street headed to his car. As he climbed in the driver's seat, four or five assassins emerged from where they'd been hiding in the bushes and opened fire. A violent gun battle left one of Che's neighbors, a man identified as Mr. Salinas, dead on the grass. As Che sped away, his bodyguards continued firing. Inside the house, Che's wife, Alida, heard the intense gunfire. She grabbed their three-month-old daughter, Aladita, and with their nanny, rushed to hide under the stairwell. In Havana, there was a news blackout on the attempted assassination. Aleda Guevara kept her story secret for 30 years, sharing it with Che's biographer, John Lee Anderson, after she left Cuba for Spain to live in exile. Because Cuba is a police state, very little unflattering news ever leaves the island. That such an important leader as Che Guevara would be vulnerable to assassination was not a message the Castro regime wanted to convey. Instead, a semi-official cover story emerged, purporting that the dead man, Mr. Salinas, had been having an affair and that the killing was an illicit romance gone wrong. In a country where possession of an illegal firearm was a capital offense, the cover story seems implausible. Was the CIA involved? Or were the assassins really anti-Castro Cubans acting on their own? Further news was repressed, not surprising, given Che Guevara's views of the press. Newspapers are instruments of the oligarchy, he told the Cuban people. We must eliminate all newspapers. We cannot make a revolution with free press. As of 2019, the mystery remains unsolved. But in response to the assassination attempt against him, Che Guevara is said to have kept a grenade in the cigar box he often carried. After three failed attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro, in late January or early February 1961, Felix Rodriguez was reassigned to the CIA's Brigade 2506. He was emplaced on a five-man, direct-action, paramilitary team called a Gray Team. The Gray Teams would be infiltrated into Cuba in advance of an assault by Brigade 2506 at Bahia de Cojinos, the Bay of Pigs. Assassination plans aside, the CIA was now moving forward with a covert action amphibious invasion followed by a coup d'etat. The CIA was relying on its gray teams to locate, train, and equip pockets of previously identified resistance fighters, similar to what the OSS Jedbergs had done shortly after Allied forces stormed the beaches at Normandy. But in France, 93 Jedberg teams had been airdropped in behind enemy lines. In Cuba, there were just seven teams, each made up of five men. It was high risk, Rodriguez remembers. Thirty-five of us went to Cuba. Only 15 survived. 
On February 28, 1961, Rodriguez and the members of his Gray team left an isolated beach in Key West, bound for Cuba. This time, instead of a yacht, they rode in a 25-foot Zodiac boat, filled to the gunnels with weapons and explosives. Four and a half hours later, the team made a stealth beach landing at Arcos de Canazi, 40 miles east of Havana. It was Rodriguez's first time back in Cuba since he was a schoolboy. We had our weapons and backpacks, but we also had two tons of equipment, explosives, grenades, machine guns, ammunition, and communications equipment. To be caught likely meant summary execution. Rodriguez and his grade team members were met on the beach by anti-Castro partisans, local farmers and sugar mill workers who were members of a group called Movimiento de Recuperación Revolucionaria, MRR, a pro-U.S. resistance movement. The MRR had already been partially armed. CIA Air Branch pilots had managed to covertly airdrop bundles of World War II-era M3 submachine guns and 45 caliber pistols. In addition to the CIA's ground branch, there is Air Branch, which is the aviation wing of the Special Activities Division, and Maritime Branch for amphibious operations. There's also a political action arm, which interfaces with all three branches. From the beachhead at Arcos de Canasi, Felix Rodriguez was driven to Camagüey, where he was met with the head of the Cuban resistance, a young man who went by the codename Francisco. Seeing him on the street, you'd mistake him for a student, recalls Rodriguez. Francisco was an eloquent, soft-spoken engineering student. He naturally inspired people, Rodriguez said. The popularity of Francisco's movement made him the number one target of Castro's intelligence services, and meeting with him was a tense affair. Over the next few weeks, Felix Rodriguez moved from safe house to safe house around Havana, meeting individually with leaders of the underground. In mid-March, he was called back to Miami to resupply. Then he was told that he'd be reinserted again soon. The invasion would be happening any day now. Finally, word came. I was driven to the Keys by a lanky Texan who went by the codename Sherman, Rodriguez recalls. He presented me with something special to take to Cuba, a mini flamethrower. It fit very comfortably in one hand, yet it threw a 15-foot-yard-wide column of white phosphorus flame. The Texan told Rodriguez that the weapon was highly classified, but he wanted me to have it anyway. This time, he was inserted near Moron on the central coast. There, he was met by another member of the underground and driven to Havana in an old Buick, the flamethrower hidden underneath the dashboard. Rodriguez was dropped off at a safe house in El Vedado and told to lay low and await orders. In its Bay of Pigs invasion planning, the CIA pulled yet again from its own history, as we have seen. 
Modeling the invasion and coup on the Guatemala operation was ironic, given that those operations had radicalized Che Guevara. But Cuba in 1961 was a very different environment in which to operate than Guatemala had been in 1954. President Arbenz commanded an army of 10,000 men. Fidel Castro allegedly had a million soldiers on call. Arbenz, a socialist, did not run Guatemala as a military dictatorship. Castro controlled the people of Cuba with absolute power, using Soviet tactics of repression and fear. Most significant of all, Arbenz did not have a direct line to the Kremlin the way Castro did. In hindsight, the CIA's disastrous covert action Bay of Pigs operation was born of wishful thinking. As with all military dictatorships, spies in Cuba were ubiquitous. For the CIA, the threat of a double agent was a constant source of concern. Unknown to the agency, Castro had managed to infiltrate its ranks long before the invasion was given the green light. In Miami, the CIA had recruited Benigno Perez Vivancos, a former lieutenant in Castro's army, thinking he was an anti-Castro emigrant. Vivancos stood out as brave and reliable and became the 78th fighting age male recruited for Brigade 2506. In fact, he was a Castro loyalist sent by Havana to spy. The actions of this double agent proved deadly. On the night of April 1st, 1961, not long after Felix Rodriguez arrived in Havana with his mini flamethrower, Castro's G2 intelligence conducted a raid on a house outside Havana and captured Francisco, whose real name was Romeo Gonzalez Rosa. Tried and found guilty, he was immediately executed. Based on information provided by the Vargas, Castro's government rounded up thousands of people identified as members of the resistance. Castro herded them into theaters, stadiums, and military bases to squelch the possibility of a spontaneous
we don't make it this year See what next year can bring Seasons go turning From winter to spring The stars in their courses Say win or we lose Can you tell me what they're saying About sweet greens and With acres of land These neat little houses Look just like we've planned We can live in a basement We won't miss the views Just as long as we're living Sweet greens and blues Children are growing and they play round the door. One is just three years, the other's about four. They plague us with questions mount on their shoes, but they often remind us of sweet greens and
the spring morning is dark and misty, and a cold wind dances through blue-black clouds overhead. The meadow grass is covered with crystal dew. Ahead, in the center of the meadow's green being, stands a magnificent willow tree, lone and tall, spreading green arms to the meadow's grassy floor, as if on regal sentry duty guarding this holy meadow from intruders. Come softly to the willow. Come and sit quietly at his feet. You hear footsteps approaching swiftly, and a young maiden appears beneath the willow and falls to her knees at the base of the willow, weeping bitter tears. All is quiet, save for the wind and the weeping. Listen. Listen with your heart. You can hear the wind whisper her name. Maria. Maria. She looks up at the willow in surprise and cries out, Who's there? It is I. The wind answers. But who are you? I see no one. I am the wind. I am the wind of needs, of wants, of divine desire. I am the holy breath that is your life force. I am love. O gentle wind of love, teach me of life. I know nothing of this life I am living. I know nothing of love. Oh, please, please teach me in your gentle ways. What is it you wish to see more clearly, Maria? I feel such deep love within me for so many people and for all of nature's beauty around me. Yet when I express this love, I find many run from my being, and I too run from their love. I see fear upon beloved faces, and I feel a cold hand pull clouds to cover the sun that seeks to shine from each of us. Oh, gentle wind, why, why does this happen? Why do we run from beauty and light? Who is this demon love from whom we seek refuge? Maria, lie down on the meadow grass and look up to the willow. What do you see and feel? I see blue-black clouds racing across the sky, and I feel cold and lonely. separate and apart from the willow's being. 
of green arms. I see willows' graceful boughs encircling me, and I feel safe and protected, warm and loved. I see willow bowing gently with the wind and softly touching the earth. Wherever the wind urges, he do so. Very beautiful here. Maria, it would be wise to be as the willow in your living and loving. He stands firmly in a beautiful green meadow. Let your stand in this life be firm and strong as you surround yourself with beauty. He reaches out green arms gracefully. Allowing me to caress him, guiding his giving as he bows to the meadow under my weight. Be not mistaken, love is no burden. But if Sir Willow would not bend when I bid him do so, he would surely break and deny the meadow its ecstasy and fulfillment of its longing. For all of the earth longs to blend one with another. The bird with the sky, the bee with the flower, the wind with the trees, the ocean with the shore, man with woman, heaven with earth. And this is as it should be. All of earth, including man, must be as the willow gently reaching bowing to all of creation as love bids. O gentle wind of love, if this is so, then why is there such sorrow and confusion in this world? Life is so simple, yet we make it so complex by refusing to love. Will we ever feel peace within? Beautiful child, man has free will and he must choose what he will give to life. Oh, that he would give the simple, pure love of a child, not reasoning why, just giving because he is life. But man takes his free will and makes complexities of the simplicities. He clings to his loved ones as possessions and therein suffocates what he longs to give life to. He seeks peace in the calm of the hurricane's eye, saying that this is love, this is truly peace. Yet the hurricane's eye is only a small portion of the experience of the storm. The whirling winds and savage rains must cleanse and Washing away the old and making way for the new. And so it is with love and peace. True peace is knowing that life is a storm and a calm, a growing and a resting, a birth and a death making way for a rebirth. Mario. See your free will as this gentle willow. 
when love winds direct and urge you to touch another meadow child, you must do so or feel the pain that resistance offers. But I feel I have little to offer, for I am but an infant in my awareness of love. Look, Mario. See that butterfly? And those birds? Are they not beautiful in their being? Yet at one time they were no more than a worm in a cocoon and a shapeless mass within an egg. Yet are they any less of creation? Did the universe cast them aside as unworthy? You must never compare yourself to others, Maria. Go within and listen with your feelings. Hear your true desires, for they are divine. Fulfill your needs and supply your wants, reaching out and gently touching, as does the willow. Oh, gentle wind, what, what if no one wants my love? Maria, Maria, sweet child, love calls forth love. Does the earth deny the rain a resting place as it falls from the heavens? Does the wind deny a bird when he seeks flight? Do not limit love with your mind and intellect. Just feel it and ask no questions of it. For if you have doubts and fears, you are not living simply enough. Live as the willow, letting the love winds gently tiptoe through your being, caressing and holding, then softly freeing. The willow does not question why he is being loved. We simply unite and blend and sing the harmony of the universe. As the wind gazed at Maria, he saw that she had fallen asleep. He gently ran his fragrant fingers through her hair dried her tears as he wrapped his soft arms around her. Then he ran to welcome the sun by pushing away the last remaining clouds of early dawn.
one morning The blues come falling down Then it blues come falling down I didn't have no woman Didn't have no place to stay I said, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, please. Cry, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, please. 
Then I'll go home, I'm going back home to stay. Yeah.